Welcome to Balcony Cheerleader, the podcast dedicated to celebrating you. I'm your host, Miss Thunder, and today I've got a delightful treat. I'm co-hosting with the one and only Southern Illinois University Acclaim Associate Head Coach Chester Nichols. Chester, how you doing? Doing great, doing great. And then we are honoring, this is just one of many series, we are honoring our unsung heroes, the esteemed coaching great collegiate women's basketball coach, Miss Audra Smith. Audra, how you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking, I'm, I had muted myself. Hello, how are you? I'm excited. Boom, boom, here. boom. It's boom time. I got Audra, I got Chester. Y'all don't got me fired up, like seriously on every level. I mean, what an honor for you to be within our presence. So I want to start with, let me say it right. Did you know many moons ago you were going to be the baddest thing coming out of Milledgeville, Georgia? And that's like, what, 10 miles north of Macon, Georgia? Oh, we further than that. Well, actually, <laughs> where I live, because it takes two dirt roads to get to my mama's house. <laughs> if you go the back way through the cut, you can be in Jones County in probably like five minutes. Okay. And knows anything about the Georgia area. But um, I'm actually about 30 miles from Macon. But uh, no, no idea. I was a little red clay, dirt road <laughs> country girl. Just listen, had a lot of dreams, but had no idea the path that God had for me, had set for me. And it's been an unbelievable one. Mm. Well, one of the reasons in the title of our episodes, we're doing a bunch of series honoring our unsung heroes. And I say that because there are so many coaches such as yourself who have paved the way for people to have better negotiation contracts. People are having opportunities in the SEC, the ACC, and the big collegiate um, programs. You are one of the people who paved the way for so many others to walk right in. And for today's episode, we have to give you your flowers. I'm not giving you physically your flowers, but Chester and I, and so many on behalf of so many others, we've got to give you your props. And we thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Giving you your props. Okay. So what did it feel like to be called Miss Georgia basketball? I mean, I read that and I was like, oh, I tell you what, I I have to, you know, now, now, as they tell me at work all the, all the time when I'm on Zooms, they'll say, Audra, land the plane. So when I've talked too much, Chester, pull the cane, you know, Chester, uh, pull the cane, land the plane. (laughs) Try mute uh, uh, host mute her stop her from talking because that's what I love to do I'm, I had to have the gift of gab um I would have to credit like my high school coach Janet Allman Janet Allman bachelor that is she's married um for have for, for me for my development as a basketball player and being in the position of being able to earn the honor of being Miss Georgia basketball um Coach Allman was unbelievable. Like we won three back-to-back state championships. And I don't know if anyone else in this, well, probably Collins Hill, maybe in Atlanta. I can't, I don't know. But anyway, back then we were, it was 4A. 4A was the the biggest division you could play in, right? Mm -hmm. And so we won three back-to-back state championships, 86, 87, 88. And then in 1988, I had such a great uh, senior season, double doubles. And well, well, first of all, I'm 6'2". There weren't many 6'2" long lanky girls playing basketball back in 1988 
87, mm. 88. There just wasn't. It wasn't a common thing. It wasn't common, you know? So my height, right. I gotta admit, did give me an advantage, but it was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable honor. I tell you, I, I remember the picture. The guy that was Mr. Georgia basketball was from Griffith, Georgia, Griffin, Georgia. And I remember there was a big picture of us on the cover of the Atlanta Journal Constitution sports page. Mm-hmm. And Bebe and my Jerry Curl was looking, oh, excuse me. <laughs> My wave Nico. No, it wasn't a Gary Curl. My wave Nico was looking so pretty. It was curly and it was a little moist. Oh my God. You said a moist, a moist. moist the <laughs> like the soul glow. Let me explain. Let me explain. Just like today, the, the young, young girl, young women that are playing women's basketball will wear braids. Right. Like that was the look. Like if you didn't have that, that braids or dress, like, and now too, you know, a lot of them and weaves mm-hmm. or whatever. Now it's kind of a little right. bit of everything. But right. back then, like, if you didn't have a Jerry girl, you could hoop. <laughs> like that was the definition of hooping. Jerry girl, if you didn't have a Jerry girl, you could hoop. Oh my God, I but can't it, do this. It was, but it was unbelievable though. It was great. I mean, I, I was, I, I can remember being at the um, awards banquet and meeting Sue Wicks. Who was mm-hmm. a long-time great that played at Rutgers? Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, ma'am. Danny, Danny Manning. I met Danny Manning. He was the men's um, uh, national basketball player of the year during that time. During that time as well, during that year, and it was a big um, uh, banquet at the Atlanta Tip-Off Club. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big to do. So they were there. I met Dick Vitale for the first time. So, what? So at a young age, I mean, I was just, I was. Eight, yeah, I was 18. I turned eight, I was 18. I was just an 18 year old and just, uh, it was unbelievable that basketball had got me that far. And I didn't realize how far it would continue to take me. But that was a huge honor, you know, being Miss Georgia basketball. And I don't think there's another player that's ever come through. There. No. No, there hasn't been another player come to my high school that's been named Miss Georgia basketball. No, 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 no. There has been no power forwards. There have been none because we dug, we called, we did the oh, research. Wow. Yes, yes. There has no... <laughs> There has never been, and I, I can say this based off of what I actually contacted the school, and then they gave me a link to go in and find information. Girl, you did your homework for real. We, listen, we you know, did our homework. Right. Yes. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Yes. yes, because we want to give you your flowers. There has never, ever since you came out of that area been anybody with your type of accolades power forward so you have you were deserving of that crown that sash that runway that red (laughs) carpet yes ma'am now let me ask you this excuse me and let me dive into it right quick dive in (laughs) i'll draw here you mentioned danny manning and um yes danny and i had the pleasure working Working together for two years at Kansas. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. We, we we talked about how the internet is kind of played in today's game versus right. when you guys came out. Mm-hmm. I heard the stories quite a bit. You know, no internet. The only way you contacted the kid was on the phone. And if right. you got got up with a kid, it was either at home or at school. Talk right talk about it from your side. Well, I would, you know. I remember the first time I received a phone call from a, well, actually the first time I received a letter, mm-hmm. a letter in the mail. And it was a handwritten letter from a head coach. I think it may have been because Andy Landers recruited me at Georgia. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the head coach at the time. Now it escapes me, but I was recruited by Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Florida, University of Virginia. And uh, uh, I think John Van Vancini was at 
it was at Long Beach at the time. And I, I didn't even knew I didn't know where California, I knew where it was on the map, but you know, come on now. So I remember receiving those handwritten letters and reading those letters and showing them to my mom and showing them to my grandmama and was like, oh, well, you know, not really even knowing what it meant, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, receiving the phone call because, you know, we had that 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 um, rotary phone. Oh, yeah. yes. Telephone in the kitchen. Yep. Hanging on the wall. Hanging, hanging on the wall. With that long cord that was reached to mama's room and reached <laughs> to my room. I mean, you could, you could throw a rock at our house and hit every room, pop, 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 pop. And then, you know, be, so it wasn't, wasn't that, cord wasn't that long, that long. Oh, but I remember receiving phone calls on the telephone from coaches and I would be nervous and like, oh my God, what am I supposed to say? I'm just, I'm just like an 18 year old. I don't know what to say. Like, what do I say? How do I, what do I, how to express myself? But my high school coach really did help prepare me for that because she spent two years as a graduate, graduate assistant under Pat Summit. Mm. And so she really prepared me for getting ready for that next level. But yeah, it was, it was so different. I mean, it was so different. And that's how you knew you had made it. And been mm-hmm. seen and noticed in the fact that when you got those written letters, I mean, Speak. that was a huge deal to get those written letters mm-hmm. and also to get a, receive a phone call. Because back then, remember that? It was long distance. It oh. was. And you was not going to play. On, remember, they taught us you don't play on the phone when it was long distance. <laughs> they had to dial the one. They yep. to go, you know, it was long. And then you had to be careful because you had that party line. That's right. You got to jump out and jump on that. Child, who you talking to? Your mama know you on that phone. That's so, it. Click those, over, come on. Those, those things are so, I treasure that because that was just such a time of innocence in the recruiting. Right. Yes. Innocence right. with, with growing up. And now it's just, you know, it's not that it's 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 all bad. It's that it's different. Like, because for me to receive a phone call on the phone is so different than when my mother played. My mother my mother played three-on-three basketball. She never received mm. a letter from college mm. coach. I had right. the opportunity to go to college. That wasn't even going to happen. So, mm-hmm. so things, times change, things change along with the time. So I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's, it's just sometimes the way people you utilize social media um, in a negative way, but mm-hmm. social media Agreed. is very is, is positive. I mean, I'm a, I'm on everything, TikTok, Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. I was trying to, I was on Snapchat, but I'm like, I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I ain't uh-huh. having to chat and nothing. So leave that right. Alone. But um, well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a lot different, but it's not. You know, it's it's not all bad because there are a lot of good informative things that are out there via social media for young student athletes. So and mm-hmm. and adults like. Well, now, when did you choose basketball, or did basketball choose you? Some people choose their sport, but sometimes right. the sport chooses them. How, when did you know, was it in middle school? Was it in elementary or was it in high school that you discovered, wait a minute, this is my thing. And not only am I good at it, but I'm going to make a life of this. Okay. Your screen, you see that, that, that was me. <laughs> I can still, I, now I don't know if I can do a split like I used to be, <laughs> but that cartwheels, flips, all of that. I wanted to be a cheerleader. Same here. I, I was. was a cheerleader. So I didn't choose basketball. Basketball didn't choose me. My ninth grade coach made me play basketball. Mm. Made me play basketball. So so I was a cheerleader from I was sixth, seventh, eighth, sixth, seventh grade. And um, that's when you could be a, a cheerleading team squad, cheerleading team. Mm-hmm. And again, now I was six one. I've grown an inch since seventh grade. I was six one in the seventh grade. 
How freaky is that? Six one in the seventh grade. So that would have been in what year? I would have been 12. So that was 1982. Mm. So people always ask me if there was something wrong with me or if I had, you know, that was unheard of. Like nobody saw a six one. You know, I, I was like, I was the Brittany Griner of my neighborhood because there was no one else as tall as I was. Like when Brittany Griner came out and everybody was recruiting her, we we're like, oh my God, that height, that length, those arms. Oh my God, she's gonna right. be well. They were like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so long? But anyway, so I started, I was, cheer, I was a cheerleader. And uh, I remember getting ready to try out for the eighth grade squad. And I was good. I, I was good. A cheer, mm-hmm. I was a very good cheerleader. So I was getting ready to try for the eighth grade team. And Coach Anderson Bentley was the eighth grade basketball coach. And he said, you're not going to make that squad. I said, what do you mean, Coach Bentley? <laughs> and he said, oh, I'm t- I already told the cheerleading coach not, not to choose you, that you couldn't be on the squad. I was I know, like, you come, he said, you better come play basketball. I said, Oh, so I started playing. I did not know offense from defense. I didn't know what a play was. I didn't know what a rebound was. I didn't know what an assist was. I had no idea. My mom would come, my mom and sister would come to the game and just shake their heads and watch me just run up and down. Run up and down. <laughs> so eighth grade, I'm like, but then I got, but you know what? That's when, and I was always an awkward child. I was always awkward and believe it or not, very quiet because I was so tall and I was so unlike everyone else. I wanted to make myself small. So I didn't talk a lot. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't talk a lot. So I didn't want to be noticed because, because, because I didn't want to be noticed. So um, I can remember uh, obtaining a lot of confidence with playing basketball because then everybody's like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, we see you hooping. I'm like, Okay, that's what hooping is. All right, I've run up and down, and my, <laughs> then I got, and then I got, I got the nickname of Tree, and I was always a popular girl because I was tall and I was friendly and I, and I was friends with everyone. Like I had friends from all backgrounds, all nationalities. Any new, any new student that came to school, when it, whenever I was in school, I, I made them my best friend. I mean, they became mm. my best friend because mm. I, I was always about making other people feel comfortable. Because for so many years, I was uncomfortable. Oh. So I was so, that was me. I'm a pleaser. Like I, I, I want people to be comfortable. I just, that's just me. That's, I don't know. That's just something, that's a trait that I've always had. So, okay. So eighth grade was like a disaster, but I kind of sort of figured it out. Ninth grade, I got better. And then I remember 10, I remember 10th, going into 10th grade. So because our school was eighth and ninth grade um, was one school, to, mm-hmm. well, two classes together. And then you would go up to the high school 10 through 12. Mm. Um, that, and that was, you know, back in the day, that's just how we did it back then. And so I remember, um, coach Allman saying, uh, she was like, well, you're going to be going to BC camp. I was like, I don't want to go to BC camp. I want to go to the camp with everybody else because mm-hmm. that was the fun camp. Right. You know, we were going up somewhere in North Georgia, somewhere, Rome or somewhere, Rome, Georgia, somewhere. And I was excited about riding the bus up there and going to, you know, to the camp with all the other girls and having fun, laughing on the bus. She said, no, you're coming right over here, d- downtown Millersville to BC camp. <laughs> I didn't know the prestige of BC camp. Mm. So I get there and there's Katrina McLean. Oh, there's Teresa Edwards. Oh, they were working BC camp because Athens is only 45 minutes from my mm. hometown. That's right. I'm like, oh my God, these women are working our camp. And so I remember learning so much. And there were so many girls from different places. There were, girl, there were girls from Virginia and North Carolina because BC camp was only in selected areas in the country. 
So those girls that were serious about basketball were getting in the car, their parents or coaches or whomever and driving all the way to Milledgeville, you know, to play in BC camp. And it was all week long. It was Monday through Friday. I don't think we ever stopped playing. I just felt like we played every single (laughs) day, drill after drill after drill after drill. But I got better and more confident. So going into my 10th grade year at Baldwin, we had a veteran squad. And um, I, I did not, I didn't start. We had two other post players that were older, not as tall, but were older and stronger. Cause I was probably a, a good whopping 125, 30 pounds, you know, 16 right. by that time. And, um, but I got a lot of, I, I, I got um, substantial playing time because I was a really good shot blocker and I was a very good defender. I and seen that, your highlights. Nobody could shoot over me or nobody. I, look. Face. Anybody, I seen some of, I found some of the, the rare footage of you. We had to dig, mind you. Uh-huh. Anybody that came up on you by the time you got to your junior year, they ate the floor. They ate the wax that was <laughs> off the floor. <laughs> and I'm just that video. Oh my God, I would love to have some of that video. I, I, the, and then we found some of your uh, pictures, the clips, and we mm. actually found some of your clips from when you were in high school, your senior yeah. year, and then when you were um, when you first went to Virginia through ESPN. <gasps> oh my yes. God, I would love I, to yes, yes. I, I was please, like, look when I tell you we dug dug my my guys because they were so fascinated with you and that's one of the reasons why it's such a honor to to do this show you said when you were in the eighth grade you were six one well let right. me just say this to you I have two special little cousins. One is in the fifth grade and she's six one in the fifth right. grade. All the right. other one is in the eighth grade and she's six, four and a half. And All they are right. do- Yeah. And they're dominating in the, in this whole central Florida area. So yes. they're already being recruited at young ages, but they're so insecure about their heights for okay. them to be able to hear. And this is why we do these shows. Right. Because you said you were always trying to make others comfortable because you were uncomfortable. That that resonated with me because they're very people pleasers. They're in the same mindset that you are. So when we have women like you that have paved the way, you've got so many young girls that are looking up to you, Audra. Oh, Audra. Yeah, and and that I and I I appreciate that, and that I I know, and I that's one of the reasons why you know from my the way I was brought up by, by my mother and my grandmother in terms of how to carry myself as a young woman, um, that people are always watching you. They're always watching you. So mm-hmm. be mindful of what you do. Be mindful of how you act. And the biggest thing was, you know, your your re- your reputation and your character is everything, and you're representing mm-hmm. the name. You're representing the Smith name, and mm-hmm. you're not going to that up. Mm. that was something that I always carried with me and then for I think part of that too just to kind of go back to talking about you know your um relative those young ladies that are uh in that are now 6164 and still a little self-confident um Mm -hmm. uh, insecure I should say yeah part of that is too the puberty piece of it has a lot to do Mm. that has a lot to do with it and there's really not a whole lot you can do other than just reassure because as, because as, it's, it's amazing. I think about my transformation. I tell, I, t- I have some young ladies that I work out with, haven't worked out with in a while because I've got, I have the, this frozen shoulder going on. That, has to start- <laughs> that rotatory cuff. Lord, honey, everything. Ooh, that scapula. 
Ooh, I don't want to have to go <laughs> under the scalpel. So that's why I'm going to PT. So I have two of my former players that I, I was working out with every morning, like five in the morning. And we would talk and they're like in their early thirties. And I talked to them, we talked to them all the time. I said, I'm 53. And I said, I'm still evolving. I said, I'm excited to see the woman that I'm going to be at 55. And what, what woman I'm going to be at 60. And the woman I'm going to be at 65, God willing, and the creek don't rise and I'm still here. Come on. Because I said, you think when you get to one age, you've made it, you're there. Right. Uh-uh. It's not. And, and, I, and I think, and I know it's the same way for men, but I think for women, it, it just resonates so much more because there's so many things that we, we do. Like some of us choose to get married. Some of us choose to have children. You know, some of us, you know, there's so many different dynamics and things that happen to us in our lives that shape us. And it's just amazing. Like I think back now, like you're taking me way back down memory lane and I'm thinking about some specific incidents and some specific scenarios. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, wow, I never thought that I would be here where I am now married to adult children living in Birmingham, Alabama you know, on a Zoom like that, like, like talking <laughs> with you right now, like that's just, it's just really interesting. And then talking about me and my accolades, because I'm, I'm, I'm a very um, humble person, modest person. Like, I don't, I don't need all the fanfare and all that kind of stuff, you know, right. I've done and it's been, um, I've been blessed. And so mm-hmm. I try, I just do my best to try to bless others. And the one thing I can always do, I know Chester said something really important at the top of the show in regards to, you know, time is precious. Don't, don't waste my time. Be on time. Speak. And that's the one thing. Um, my husband said this at his 50th birthday party. I surprised him with a surprise party for his 50th birthday. And he said, the biggest thing for me with all of you being here is that you took the time to come and celebrate with me. And time is so precious. And that's the biggest gift you could have given me is your time. Mm. So that's a huge gift because time is precious. We don't know how much time we have. So no, we don't. that's, that's it. You think about it, the, the time you think you have, you really don't. Because as I hear you talk about your journey, when you said BC All-Stars, this, yeah. this is before the apparel groups start yeah. taking over the camp. Yeah. BC yeah. All-Stars actually rivaled Five Star. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was working for Hall of Fame coach Jim Haley. We went to the BC All-Stars in Tifton, Georgia. Okay. Now, you guys had it in Milledgeville, mm-hmm. and we went down to Tifton. And uh, by the way, shout out to James Lunsford. That's, yes. ex- that's exactly well, where I first met the mm, James Lunsford. That's right. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Hall of Fame coach. A lot of greatness down the there. by now. Yeah. Mm. A lot of greatness coming out of Milledgeville. Now, Audra, did you know that you guys, when you were um, in college, mm-hmm. um, they referenced you, mm-hmm. Don Staley, Tammy Rice, I hope I say her name right, Allison Moore. It's Reese. Reese. Reese mm-hmm. and Melanie um, Wagner. Wagner. Mm-hmm. You guys are revered as the Fabulous Five. Um, they started to try to throw that out there and call us that, um, it didn't really stick as much, but they Mm -hmm. kind of threw that out there a little bit, but we were, we were the top recruiting class in 88. That's it. I was Miss Georgia basketball. Dawn, of course, was Miss Philadelphia, Miss everything. Tammy Reese was Miss, uh, was Miss New York, New York from, you know, Tammy's from Iceland, New York. Allison Mm -hmm. Moore was Miss Virginia basketball and Melanie Wagner was Miss uh, Maryland basketball Mm -hmm. so Debbie slated and got all the top players in those states so so we all came together you know as one and we were um it may have been an article that that mentioned that you know Mm -hmm. bad five type of situation Mm -hmm. um uh, uh title I should say 
but yeah, we were, we were a good group. We were a really great group. And the, the beauty of that, that's the thing that's so beautiful right now is I am still great friends with all five of those women. See, look at here. Dawn, her behind in that, I can't even say it. Sweater she had on that lake at that dang old Sparks game. I'm gonna steal that. that oh my god! She had on the game. I said I was at her house visiting with her before her play for K game, and I said, "Don't look. You gonna give me that sweatsuit?" I said because it is two times too big for you, and I know it is. Fit. She said, "Bigger, you can have it at that wear." Well, you wore it where it at. I'm waiting for. And I will call her, text her, say something out, say something crazy. Um, but Dawn and I still talk. Tammy Reese, Tammy's amazing. Tammy is, mm. she's coaching the three-on-three, -three, USA basketball three-on-three -three team. Um, so Tammy and I still communicate. Melanie Wagner and my, and my daughter have a very good relationship. My daughter was playing volleyball at Cincinnati. And she okay. was interning with Melanie. Melanie is an athletic director at Mount St. Joseph's College right there in Cincinnati. Mm. So my daughter, she gave my, my, my daughter was interning with her. And I said, Melanie, don't let her do it. Don't let her pull the wool over your eyes. Don't let her. She goes, Adrian is awesome. She's fantastic. She goes, huh? I said, what? Because, you know, you know that old saying, if you better act right when you leave this house. Basically. So Adrian interned with her. And then Allison, um, she's out in, she's out in California. And she and I may talk, you know, it's hard, but we, we may talk uh, once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we all stay in communications with each other. And, you know, like, those three, especially Tammy, Dawn, and Melanie, I can call right now and say, mm. look, girl, Anthony has lost his mind. I don't know what, yeah. can you cash at me $500? I got to <laughs> get, get a train ticket out of here. And you know what? I'm going to get it. I may, you know what? I'm not going to get five. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to get five hundred. I'm going to get a thousand. <laughs> I can't and do I, this. And I would do the same for them. I would right. do the same for them. To this day, we, we, I mean, when I say we were in the trenches with Debbie Ryan, Baby, we was in the trenches. Okay, so tell me, what was it like playing for Debbie? So I know you, okay, you get over the ooh and ah. Right. So right. your freshman year is overwhelming because everybody is just as good as you or better. You got to right. balance your, you know, your social life. You got to balance your grades. The workouts are much tougher in the weight room. They're nothing like what you've ever experienced. What right. was it like playing under her? Was she a mentor slash surrogate mother as well because when I was reading some of the um quotes from students and proteges such as yourself that was yeah. the, one of the things that jumped out at us that that all of her players was like she was like a surrogate second mom you know if she pulled you in that office you was effing up you 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 oh, know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I will say that is true because we were all terrified of her right which is a good thing. It was right. a healthy fear. It was a right. healthy fear of, is she going to send me home? Not, not of what she was, that she was going to ever put her hands on anybody, but right. she's going to send us home, send me home. Right. She's the team. Am I not going to be able to play? Like what? Oh God. Like when you got the car to go into the office, it was like, what did I do? You started just thinking about what did I do? Okay. I yep. was on the road last night. Yeah. I was <laughs> at the house. Yeah. I went to that cute party. Yeah. I did that. Oh yeah. I drank some beer. Oh Lord. <laughs> drank some beer. Drank some beer. That was our fear. We drank beer. I mean, terrible. Oh, Lord. Because oh, Charlottesville was not, there's nothing compared to what it is now in terms of how it's grown. Right. It was like a mini Northern Virginia like that, that um, Tyson's Corner, Herndon, area, Herndon, Virginia area is what it looks like right now. It's really upscale and they've got all this stuff going on. But it was, we had a Shoney's and an Aberdeen Steakhouse. 
and then when the Red Lobster came, we thought we had arrived. Arrived. Right. Just you know, it was a small, close knit community, a small, true college town. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Debbie was very, very well known. So it was the same situation as being with your my own mother like you're right her like you're not gonna be out there in the streets acting a fool you're not gonna be and if we didn't call it campus okay so let me just give me a little background on university of virginia so the university of virginia of course was founded by thomas jefferson so right. it's called the grounds okay. it's not called the campus it's called the grounds we're not referred to as freshmen sophomores juniors or seniors we refer to first year second year third years fourth years okay thomas jefferson's philosophy was that you learn more outside of the classroom than you did inside the classroom. So it was a very different experience, at least um, from my experience as I moved on in coaching at other universities and how things were done. Um, And it was a situation where uh, students really truly had a relationship with their professors. And they could mm. talk to them, and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a really eye-opening experience. It, it, I want, I don't want to say it was like high school, but it was like high school in a sense where you had a relationship with your professors. Right. I think by name, the classes weren't weren't big. We didn't have huge classes. I think my first year, I may have had a class of a hundred, and that was mainly like a social one hundred and one or something like that. But right, like your English classes may have been like twenty five students, thirty students. Um, but um, but yeah, it was um. It was a great experience. And then Debbie was, she was, she, she, but one thing about, De- and two, Debbie was that surrogate mom in the sense of that, you know, it was, you, you had, she would give you that look almost like, I'm going to mess you up wherever you mess up as well. I'm going to mess you up. Show up. Yep. Show out, show out where you get where out. If you want to, yep. I'm, I'm going to show you what showing out is. Right. And it was just one of those things too, that it was passed down from each class of how we acted, what we did, who we associated ourselves with. Not that we were an elitist group by any means. We were not. But it was just like, that's not a group you want to associate yourself with because they don't have a good reputation on grounds. Come on. So you need to be over here. And come so on. we looked out for each other. So we so we had our bigger, our older sisters that were alum that would come back for alumni weekend. And then our older players are on the team that would tell that would, you know, tell us, hey, no, no, we don't do that. Now that's how now how we act. So she had established a culture and a philosophy that was so strong that we were self-governing. We were mm. self-governing. It was like, you know, you did certain, th- certain things you didn't do. We didn't drink during the season. What's this for rule? My daughter comes telling me some craziness about the 24-48 hour rule with drinking. I'm mm-hmm. like, what? 24 hours before something, 48 hours after something. I said, I said, how about this? You don't drink anything. During not the season. Spa. During the season. Like, what are you doing? Like, you, you don't do that. But it's, it's just this, again, time's changing. You got to meet these kids, um, not halfway, but where they are. But Debbie was a very strong, um, independent woman. And she was a strong proponent of us being students first. She was. She did not play about academics. We were student. Mm, we were mm. student athletes. Like you would get pulled. Your GPA was a certain level drop. You would get pulled. <laughs> after my first, after my first semester, I knew she was sending me home. I said, uh-uh, I said I'm, I'm done. I mean, I was, I was eligible. Let's put it that way. I said, she right. said because I had never been away from home and being, and I'm like, I can go drink beer and nobody gonna say anything. See. Like, I don't have to go to bed at 11 o'clock. I can be out Thank to, you. on a weeknight, 12, mm. 30, o'clock. I, mm. to, I can go to parties. Like, this is crazy. You mm-hmm. know, I was just a social butterfly. I was just like, I mean, that's me. Like, I, my, my, I tell you, I, I let's, let's put it this way. When I, when I, I'm, when I go back for class reunions or when I go back for events at UVA at, you know, at basketball games, I can hold my head high because I'm walking on my husband's arm and, that was my boot all the way through UVA. See, see, and and I love the story with you know when Chester was telling me she's like, 
uh, he was saying, yeah, they were college sweethearts. He played basketball mm-hmm. and uh, Audra and Anthony are still to, I said, now see, mm-hmm. he had to be a bad guy. Not when I say a bad guy, not bad, literally. Oh, I know what you mean. To be, no. to even get the courage to speak <laughs> to you right. Oh, because I, you know, all the videos that I seen of you, I was like, okay. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I had to step to him. Had to. You had you know to because those, those, those pictures don't do it no justice because <laughs> they are about as different as night and day. Oh, oh I'm told up is in the spectrum. He's working out now. He probably won't eat until two. See, um, and very, very solid in his faith. Anthony is uh, from. Um, I, I, I tell people all the time, Lord's still working on me. He know, he know, I'm his See, child. Me too. Me and it's too. a lot of work. It's I, I it. Ooh, I'm a lot of work. I know yep. I, it's a lot of work. But Anthony's parents are both ministers, and Anthony is deeply rooted in the Bible and de- and has cha- taught our children that. Our son has grasped onto it. Our daughter is still like her mama, a working progress. Uh, <laughs> I can't uh, wait Uncle, to meet her. Uncle, Ch- Uncle Chester can attest to that. <laughs> no idea. Um, but he's just one of those folks <gasps> where it's just like he's not going to rush for you. You're not going to rattle him. I've seen my husband like angry to the point of angry like out of not not out of control but like mad like ready to hurt somebody maybe five times in the 30 something years we've been together we've been june 7th will be act will be 26 years praise god y'all better do he's the calm in the storm Oh yeah. He oh, he he I'm he's the, the thunder, I'm the lightning, see I'm the hurricane. Come on, cyclone, tornado. tornado. Oh, wait, I just said psycho that too. Psycho, no, I said cyclone. cyclone. I, I said cyclone. Cyclone. look, cyclone. we the blizzards, we're the blizzards when it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> that is, and, and you know what? And he was that and he was the the way the type of person that he is, and Chester's been around him a lot, is a type of player that he was. You know, I did a lot of trash talk and people didn't couldn't hear it, but I would, you know, I would say things like, come on in here if you want to, you're gonna so I'm gonna be hurt when you See, get out of the way. Come okay. on now. Come, come on, on now. Come on now. Roll and run with me, but you have some bruises. Get up out of here, baby. You may need to go see the trainer. So, okay. I'd say stuff like that. The other free throw line, I'd say a little sly stuff, you know. Right. Anthony just he put his money where where his mouth, I mean he put his, you know, he 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 showed it on the court. Like he um you know, he was just, he was such a disciplined player. And it's so interesting okay. to see how our son has taken after him and he's very disciplined in what he does in his approach. Like AJ works out every day. We're hopeful and prayerful that he's, he's sound with the agent, hopeful and prayerful he'll have an opportunity to go overseas and play. Mm-hmm. Um, he works out every day, very diligent about that, loves the game, watches it. I was listening to him last night. They had some friends over and I was in the room and I heard them, they were dissecting the game as they were watching the game last night. Um, and then Adrian is a lot like me the athlete that I used to be, where it was kind of like, you know, eh, two days off, I'll be all right tomorrow. I'm going to take these two days off. <laughs> I ain't going to go get up no extra shots. I ain't going to shoot no free throws. I'll be you all right. got it honest, and didn't she? And I just, I just, if, just if you didn't know it, if you didn't know it any better and they were sitting right, you swear that was her twin. <laughs> I, wait a minute. I actually seen, I actually seen some of the, I seen some of your family photos and I was like, there is no mistaking that is your child. That's you cloned. Out. That's your clone, your rib, your part two, part three. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even in her demeanor, she even has that swag look in her face. Especially when she plays, especially when she plays. Like, and that's why we didn't do that. Ba- she didn't, she could, uh, she could do basketball. 
But she got your vertical jump though. Come on with it. Oh, that she did. She and got that, mama's vertical that she jump. Did. That See, she I did. seen that too. I was like, wait a minute. Hold yeah. Look, we're all trying to get our measuring sticks and we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world? I would give anything to be able to have that type of vertical jump. If you could take one word and describe what it was like to be coached and mentored, and then you worked under um, mm-hmm. Debbie Ryan, what would that one word be? If there's even, the, if that's possible. Well, I think the word that comes to, two words that come to mind. Now, it, during the time, it, it, well, these two words didn't come to mind. Just okay. <laughs> um, I would say blessed and grateful. Ooh. I would say those are the two because mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how the experience of the University of Virginia playing under Debbie Ryan and the 10 years, you know, I was her long, longest tenured assistant, mm-hmm. longest tenured assistant. You couldn't have told me that when I walked across that stage and got my degree in 1992. I'm like, I'm leaving Virginia. I'm going home to work. And no, I'll be back to visit. But thank God mm-hmm. basketball's over. You know, I was tired. My body was tired because we've been through a lot and just a lot of disappointments, three trips to the final four and not having come up with a national championship. But um, when I came back to work for Debbie in 94, um, you know, I didn't th- realize it at the time, but as I moved through my career, my 10 year career as an assistant with her and moved through my nine year stint as a head coach at UAB, and then into my career, five year career at, at Clemson and four year career at South Carolina state, um, grateful and blessed because I learned so much. And mm-hmm. I ad- adopted some of her coaching style, some things from her and other things. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm not going to do things that way. And I, and I've, and Debbie and I've had blunt, open converse, transparent conversations since then. And there are just certain things that I took from her that I, that I took with me and other things that I didn't, but you know, so many things happened in my life during that time. You know, my Anthony and I got married in 97. I was coaching at UVA. Um, AJ was born in 99. He was born mm-hmm. at University of Virginia hospital, best doctor's you can on our on earth. I mean, you can't tell me anything better than a better hospital than UVA. Um, Adria was born. What was I thinking? In 2000. <laughs> <laughs> you said, what and, was I thinking? And they were, um, they were around the game all the time. They're around, you know, university hall, they're around the players, the players were at the house. And, you know, the first thing we did, of course, is put up a hoop in the yard. And um, it was just one of those things where, you know, my family, she's, she's, she's partly responsible for, you know, all things come together. God puts us all together. Right. For, puts it all together for you for a reason. But without the opportunity of being at Virginia, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, you know, what my family would have been like, you know, in terms of, you know, my husband, my kids, that kind of thing. But, you know, I was at the right, she enabled me to be at the right place at the right time. And the same thing with coaching, being at the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. working with some phenomenal student athletes that have gone on to do, to do unbelievable, amazing things that I have, uh, that I'm still in contact with today and mm. have relationships with. Um, and then having the opportunity to branch out and become a head coach. Mm. So, you know, I, um, you, you gotta give credit where credit's due, even though mm-hmm. it, all, it wasn't a smooth road all the time. And it's not, you know what, it's not supposed to be, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not supposed to be, I mean, mm-hmm. you those things and you're not, and it toughens you up. It's not, you're not, it's not supposed to be a smooth ride. How did she convince you to come back and be a coach under her assistant well, coach? Now she didn't make the first call. The first call came from Sean Campbell, who was the guard coach at the time when I when I played. Mm. And Sean called and said, We have a position on the staff. And I was like, position for what? Why are you calling me? Like, position for what? Because at the time I was in Millsville, I was a social worker. I was gonna change the world and change lives and make make everything right. 
like no, like this child child abuse was gonna stop and all this neglect was gonna end because I was a child right. at 22 years old. Just just I mean, oh my gosh, the things that I saw in her, unbelievable. But anyway, Sean Campbell made the first call. I thought about it. Now, Anthony and I got in, we got engaged in 91. Mm. Um, and we graduated in 92. And we made a pact. And the pact was the person that found the job, found the job first, then that person would move with that person, right? Right. Okay. And so you know me, I chicken out. He got a job first, paying good money in Richmond, Virginia. And I was like, I'm going home to my mama. I'm not going to go straight from my college dorm room to my, you know, to an apartment and or straight mm-hmm. married. And I said, I, I'm not, I'm glad I did because I had an opportunity to stretch and continue to grow. That's right. So, uh, and he had an opportunity to stretch and continue to grow. So um, then after Sean called, Debbie called and I was, I had a conversation with my mom and I was like, mom, I said, you know, I really need to get out of this because it's really stressing me out. And, and I don't want to be, I thought I wanted to do this feel, but this is not, I can't see myself doing this for the next 20, 30 years. I, there's no way. So I packed up my Jeep and drove to Charlottesville. Like, you know, I knew that route like the back of my hand, mm-hmm. uh, nine and a half hour ride. And uh, that's what happened. I ended up being, at that time, we had what was called the restricted earnings coach. And today mm-hmm. that position is director of basketball operations. And ah. so the restricted earnings, you did everything. You met, you were in charge of the managers. You were in charge of all the gear. Um, you were in charge of running camp. You were in charge of making sure the the cooler was loaded with sodas because we could drink sodas back then because nobody knew they were bad for you nobody said how bad they were for you sodas mm-hmm. were ordered for bus trips sandwiches or whatever we're eating was ordered and ready for bus trips um you made sure that you know you had the room and list rate ready for hotel for the hotel the bus was going to be on time all that gets all that mm-hmm. and then there was a little bit of coaching in that but not much a more observing um right. the scouting reports but not you weren't you weren't allowed to um coach and, and that, you were a glorified that's ops person. You were a glorified ops. And if you recall, I mean, if you maybe you don't, but you can go back and research it. There was a, there was a lawsuit. There's a group of coaches that got together and sued the NCAA. I do. I recall. And, uh, yeah, and we all we all got a little change. We all got a little change. <laughs> we got a little change. They all got a little change of lawsuit. And so then that title had to be changed, and they thus they changed it to director of basketball operations. Mm-hmm. By that time, I moved up to third assistant. Hmm. I'm absolutely loving this. We're going to take a quick break here really quick to for my listeners. Hey, if you would like to be a guest on the show and share your story of inspiration or would love to hear a show topic, we want you to please go to MissThunder.net. And also don't forget to please subscribe and download this episode as we continue this episode with Audra Smith and Coach Chester Nichols. So you were talking about um, your experience when you first came in UVA. Now, is that where you establish your sense of toughness as a coach? Because when I was going back through some of the film footage of you in that pretty orange dress, by the way, when you was at Clemson, okay, I seen you. I said, Girl, I couldn't fit it in wait, with a spoon. I, I was like, no, where would she think she was going to a Miss America pageant? Listen, I, I'm telling you, the one thing I was going to do is dress. And my husband will tell you now, thank God she ain't coaching no more because we're saving a whole lot of money. Because I never, well, let me tell you. Tell Listen, you, you was dressing and resting though. You was oh, dressing. Absolutely. What? One thing about it, I never wore the same thing twice. I noticed that. I never, you've never, you, you will never see a repeat. You I had never, the matching scarves, shoes, belts. Never a repeat. Never repeat. I was, I was determined to like, you know, you're going to see me. 
Like I'm going, I'm, I'm at, I got this stage now and I'm, I'm about, uh, listen, what's that, what's that, uh, that, uh, Instagram meme? I don't know about you, but me, I'm on. See, to- see, I <laughs> mean, because you was, cause every, you know, cause we were discussing like some of your outfits that you had, like from your business suits to your dresses yeah. and most of like there, we were all discussing and we we're like on the optics, it looked like you were going to court as an attorney. <laughs> I want to wear more dresses. And yes. So when I got to where I, when I got, became a head coach, that big, then my, my true style kicked in because then everybody, because Chester and I had this conversation yesterday about the proper, like, well, just, you know, recruiting style and what you wore on the road recruiting. Everybody wore khaki shorts and your university polo. That's what everyone wore. Now everybody's in jeans and in tights and relax, and they they can be themselves and wear their own wear their own style, which is which is great. But that was just what the protocol or the proper way of dressing was back then. Like you look at pictures of Pat Summon and her entire staff, they look they all look alike. They wore exactly. business suits, whether they were pantsuits or skirt suits with the big collars, and right. that's what that's what we wore. And mm. then. But for me, when I became head coach, you know, I like dresses and skirts and some, mm. some slacks, but most of the time, most dresses, and I love my heels. And yes, when I was getting my hair, uh, you know, fried, dyed, laid to the side. See, stop. Every game, wrapping it tight for the next See? day. I was ready. <laughs> so, my, my philosophy is look good, feel good. I'm going to coach good and we're going to win. There so, it is. That's that's what it was. But um. Yeah, the coaching, the 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 style was uh, was dramatically d- different from my assistant coaching days moving into my head coaching days. But you still um, came with it now. Come on now, because I seen, look, I look, I watched as many as I could. And <laughs> I was like, now see, and one of the games when you was at Clemson, um, I we were just laughing because you came up off that bench, that chair, took them heels off, and everybody was like, "Oh snap, she's gonna get in there!" Hey, look at this! But it was the way you did it. It's like you went from a Wonder Woman in the business suit to Wonder Woman with the last thirty seconds or less, and and, and Chester. Don't listen. We seen some of you. Like Chester is the calm in the storm. Look, yes, he, he has yes, that. T- yes. He keeps that tie on. You can count mm-hmm. on him for a good laugh. But when Coach Nichols get off that chair and got to keep hollering at you, all of a sudden his glasses got steamy. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We, we watched some of these videos and we were like, oh, <laughs> these people went from nice to like, I'm getting, I, look, I've had enough of you. I'm yeah. tired of playing with you. You yeah. better get this ball and mm. t- finish this play. <laughs> And that's, and that's the thing It's just like, you know, you teach, you, you, you go over and practice, you go over and shoot around, you go over and practice multiple times. You go over and shoot around maybe once or twice. It's like, come on, you watch it on film. Like, you know, y'all know what you're supposed to be doing. And then when they don't execute because not out of, not out of, okay. Okay. They, they went as hard as they could, or they did as they did. They, they tried as hard as they could, but they beat off the bounce. Mm. No, you in the wrong place. That's not where you're supposed to be. Who told you to go over there? Mm. So that's the frustrating piece. It's not that you were, because I can, I can tolerate 
um, hard, working hard and doing the best they can. And like, like I'm trying, like getting down in the stands, like I'm trying to get this stop. Like I know I'm supposed to go to the top of the ball screen, get skinny, go to the top of the ball screen. And you're trying to get skinny, get over the top. And maybe the post player sets a moving screen and the official doesn't call it and the kid scores. Okay, I'm okay with that because I'm going to be in that official. Mm. But then now you decide you want to go under the ball screen and the girl shoot behind the ball screen. Right. We, didn't, we didn't discuss that. That's not what we're <laughs> supposed to be doing. You cannot have memory lapses like that in the game. So now we need now we gotta have a talk. We fascinate. Look, come on over here. And you know, in previous episodes when Chester and I have chopped it up, he said something and 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 would you agree with this, Chester? Do you remember we were talking about um the the kids today are even different from the kids from 2010 era, that 2015 era, because it's like with me. I specialize in training football players and it is a difference day and night, even from 2000 to 18, 19 to the athletes that I get now. And you were saying something earlier. I think the biggest thing that I have seen, let me set aside that the NCAA have changed the rules. Kids can make money, but their sense of urgency isn't there. See, back in the day, even in 2011, 10, now, that sense of urgency was like, look, if I don't grind, if I don't get this in, I'm not going to be able to feed my kids or I'm not going to get to where I need to go. Now, kids have the attitude. I can make money off my social media page. So whether you pay me or not or recruit me or not, I can leave your program now. Mm -hmm. So that sense of urgency is not there. That sense of respect of how others have paid the way and left the door open. It's not there anymore. Oh, go ahead, Chester. Go ahead. I can say in the last 25 years since I know I've known Audrey, I mean, you got a new generation with new challenges. And mm-hmm. you just take that cell phone for an example. I mean, you don't even need, you don't need an adult. You don't need to go to the library. Mm-hmm. Everything with a cell phone, you can do it. Yes. You got a calculator, you got a camera, you got a video. Yep. You can get to the internet. You can get you can Google. I mean, why do you need an adult? And then mm-hmm. their mind. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're asking us on a daily basis to meet them where they are. Right. And how do you communicate? Mm-hmm. And um, and when I met Audra, you know, being able to balance that as a husband, as a father, and then you're trying to mentor and guide these kids. Um, talk about that a little bit, Audra. That's the part for me that has been so frustrating and why, you know, I, I was telling Chester, I got a call the other uh, night from a very, very dear friend of mine. And she said, hey, sis, you want to join me on the sidelines? I was like, uh, respect. I said, I'm honored and humble, but respectfully, no. Because I am, be, I'm done. I can't, I, I, I can't, my mindset's not there to do that anymore. So, mm. so this is the situation. It's the parenting. Now I'm no, I'm no, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Huxtable or Brady or anything <laughs> like that in terms of being a, you know, the, the, the ha- or have a parent of the year award, but it's parenting. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what, and, and my husband, I talk about that all the time, like with our children and the difference in them and their senses, their sense of urgency and their mindset in terms of what they want to do. Like Adrian's a very aggressive go-getter. I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to take care of this business myself because, you know, she's, she watched me. Mm-hmm. And every time she would ask me about something, I'm like, Adrian, go figure that out. You know how to do that. Go figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, but with AJ, it was always, what is it? Okay. Well, let me walk you through or let me help you. Let me do this. So, you know, so he calls for everything and Anthony said it right. He goes, you know, I was, he, my husband said he was talking to a woman that said, listen, he said, women teach their daughters 
how to do it. But with the boys, they just do it for them. That's correct. Because it's in our nat- kind of in our natural, nat- some of, for some of us in our natural DNA to be that mom, that big sister, to like the kids take care of everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, if I ask him now, AJ, has your passport come in yet? Uh, I better check on that. Adrian, has your passport? Oh, mom, I got it. I already have it. It's locked. It's it's locked in my my safe that I bought. You told me to get from Walmart in my in my closet in my room. Mm-hmm. Um, so so she knows how to handle business because I made her to. I made her do it. Like mm-hmm. I, I made her do it. So I think today with a lot of parents, it's just you know because and they are they're tired because there's so much going on because most parents are having to work. You know, both parents are outside the house, home. Both parents are right. Working. They want their children to have the best, better than what they had. And they want their children to have, children to have the opportunity to, to fulfill their dreams. These right. AU teams are not cheap. These club volleyball teams are not cheap. These club mm-hmm. soccer teams are not cheap. This mm-hmm. traveling softball stuff is out of control. Because I have a teammate, former high school teammate that lives here in Birmingham, and her daughter did travel softball. It's out of control. And so, and two, I used to tell my kids all the time, when they would really get on my nerves, I would say, hey, uh, come here for a minute. And be like, well, yeah, what, Coach, what? I said, your mama still got your room at, your, at the house? What you mean? I say like your room. Like when you go home, is it your room? Is your are your poster still on the wall? Can you still put things in your closet? Um, is your comforter still in your bed? That kind of thing. They be like, um, yeah. I said good because that's where you're gonna be for the next ten years if you don't get your act together. Mm. You to survive on your own. So my son is back living with us now because he just finished his fifth year and he's has a job and he's working out, but and working out to have hopefully have an opportunity to go and play overseas. Well, if that doesn't work out with the overseas piece, it's okay. You got maybe six months, kid. You got to get your own place. Mm. But a lot of, you know, and, but the thing about it is, and I noticed it last night because one of our friends came over and brought their son, their son. Now he, their son's in, in law school. So that makes sense. He's mm-hmm. in law school. So mm-hmm. now if AJ were in law school or pre-med or PT school or we're finishing up a, a master's degree or whatever, of course, of course, because that's mm-hmm. hard to do. Going to school, you know, paying for an apartment, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, of course, you know, and, and if he's working, no problem. But you're not just going to be here working part-time, playing video games, and that's it. No, we, no, we, we, no, we're not doing that. We're not going to do that. So I think that's the hard part that a lot of parents, they don't want to do. They, they continue to enable, mm-hmm. and you can't do that. you got to see, because the world is just... It's beyond bananas. It is beyond bananas. And so you mm-hmm. want to teach them that independence and you got to teach them how to survive on their own. You have mm-hmm. to, they're not going to be here forever. And just to piggyback, and, and I want to kind of make it a little clearer for the listeners, like the, the pressure that we feel as coaches, I mean, we're going to have the, we're going to come up short and fall short of the mark. We're going, we're going to lose some games in the end, but the real pressure that you feel day to day is to watch a kid conduct themselves in a way that don't set them up for success. Mm-hmm. And when they do graduate, they're back home living with the parents. Mm-hmm. Put the name on the orange juice. Yeah, there All you right. go. The name on the orange juice. There you go. Yeah. And that's the part that's for me too, Chester. I agree with is disappointing where because I, I actually, you know, like I said, I'm the you know social media queen, and some of my players will roll up. You know, if I'm not following them, they'll they'll roll up on on a you know, I'll scroll and I'll pop up. And where are they? They're back home. And what are they doing? Just trying to figure, trying to figure it out. And then two, and so that kind of hits home with me in terms of like, where did I, did I, how did I, did I fail them in some some way? Mm-hmm. Is it something that I did? But I can't. I remember one of, uh, gosh, one of my former teammates, former um, an alum that's a coach right now, and then some other. I've heard the same thing from other people as well. They said, listen, you're not going to reach everybody, and everybody. That's right. 
piece. That's you know, right. Some piece. Everyone's everyone's path is different, and what's for you is for you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whereas I have some kids that are living at home with mom and dad, not really doing anything, I've got other kids that are Division One assistant coaches. See, that are, I, have, I have a young lady, Brittany Jones from Chicago, Illinois, that's playing overseas, and she gets better with age. She's thirty three years old, and she's killing it. They just won a championship, and then they call her and say, "Hey, come to Puerto Rico for two months and and, and play over here with for me for two months." So she gets grabs her mama from Chicago. They fly in there. They stay. They live in Puerto Rico for two months while she hoops. See. She's 33 and she's like, I'm going to play until the wheels fall off. And then when the wheels See? fall off, then she'll figure out what she wants to do. She wants to open her own gym and, you know, work players out and get back into the Chicago area. She worked, she played for the great, the great Dorothy Gators at Marshall. Ooh. And mm. so you talk about discipline. You mm-hmm. talk about no joke. So yeah, BJ, and her mama, her mama was no joke either. Her mama would call me and be like, hey, because BJ's nickname was Lulu. Her mama called her Lulu. Said, Lulu, Lulu acting right. I said, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss Jones, she good. Sure, I would be scared for her. I said, yeah, <laughs> you let me know because I'd be on the first day smoking down there because Lulu know I'm not playing with her. We're not messing See? up this opportunity. You gave her an opportunity. She's gonna make the best of it. And all and the one thing I can I I am most proud of is the fact that all of my student athletes graduated. Though even the ones that you know because everybody doesn't stay. Even the ones that graduated that, that I'm sorry that transferred and moved on to other institutions, they graduated. Now, what they mm. did after they graduated, that was on them, but they did fulfill, they, they did earn a degree. And that was one of the most important things to me is that, you know, my kids, you know, earned a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they could uh, somehow further their, their education, I was always, I was, I was definitely a proponent of that and trying to help them figure that out, whether that be through a GA position or what mm-hmm. happened, some type of internship position or something of that nature that they were able to do that. But, um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's coaching is one of those things where it is, it takes up, it is your life. Like it, mm. it's your life. and you have to be, if you're in a relationship, you know, you have to be married to someone or involved with someone that understands the time of it all, because it's a lot of time and you are spending a lot of time with someone else's children trying to continue to develop <clears> them <throat> into young, true young adults, because you get them at some of them at 17, 18 years old, and they think they know it all and they don't mm. know they don't know. Nothing. One of my assistants used to say, they don't know bleep about bleep. Okay. And bloop, and, bloop. And bloop, exactly. And so you get them and you just try, there's so much you try to teach them. And it's not just the game of basketball. Now, some coaches mm-hmm. are, they're transactional. Yeah. They're the familiar. X and O's coaches. They're just, they're, it's just about you playing for them and helping them win games. But mm-hmm. I think for us, for African-Americans, it's so much bigger than that, so much deeper than that. And I, and I shouldn't, I should, let me let me say that that's an overgeneralization because it's not always race. But right. I think I will say for me, especially, and for a lot of my colleagues and friends, Chester, as well as a lot of other African-American coaches that I've talked to quite a bit, that is a key component for us in that we help these young women and young men, because I have friends on the men's side as well, grow and develop as people. Right. And Understand that. Listen, this is what's important. This is so big, much bigger than basketball. Now, believe you me, I want to win because, as we know, as coaches, you don't win, you look bye. Okay, I've been there. You don't mm-hmm. win, bye. Thank oh. you so much for your services. We really appreciate you. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna, we need to go in a different direction. Okay, so when I get my check and I, <laughs> I do what I have to know. no hard feelings. There's no hard feelings. I mean, you, it's business. It's business. <laughs> We had this conversation a few weeks ago with um, Charlton Young, associate, associate head men's basketball coach at um, Mizzou. And he said, man, he said, today now, he said, 
you know, we got to take on the philosophy of a cop that I am the job. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just got to be your mindset. Like, yeah. you know, cops, they protect and serve. I know mm-hmm. for the players that we got this day and age, like we have to serve our players. Mm-hmm. Recruit them to play. We got to recruit mm-hmm. them to stay. Yep. Yeah. And because without them, we don't have jobs. Right. Who do we coach if we don't have student athletes? There it is. And and this leads me to our next conversation um, to sum this up. Accountability, like you said, starts with parents from a very young age. You do these things. This is what consequences look like. But most importantly, for within our community, we have to teach these students and these kids that we mentor when you behave and conduct yourself in a certain manner, this is how the world perceives it. Mm-hmm. And the consequences for you are way more severe because in, especially in athleticisms, it, when it, the, the, the style of the, the consequences is still a draconian type way. I mean, I hate to drop the name, but it is true what J.J. Redding said on ESPN as it relates to John Morant. Yeah, this is ins- it, it's insidious that this person has been suspended indefinitely constitutional rights. Here in Florida and everywhere else, people are branding it and there's no, don't let me get going, but I'm just saying we have to teach. And as a coach, whether they choose to receive it and take it or not, we, it's our, I think it is our duty to make them aware. Where do you think you're at? Right. Right. Where do you think you're at? And when you do something terrible, it is frowned upon. We're all judged like you. When yeah. you do something great, it's just individual. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. And a lot, I and, and like you and Chester have said this, and he horns in on this all the time, that self-awareness is everything. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who you are, Chester, tell it. Speak it. I, I, I say it all the time. Um, you know, Ain't nothing sadder than a man or a woman or an organization that don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, um, we talk about it because, again, you're the daughter of Erlene. I'm the son of Charlie Mae Nichols. Mm-hmm. Hey. B. Nichols Jr., mm-hmm. 2345 Southwest 4th Street, Ocala, mm-hmm. Florida. Okay. That's the pride of my last name. Where I showed out, I got worked out. Come but- on. Right where you was at. And that's the key. I mean, I, I, we can take it there for just a little bit, Miss Thunder. Whereas I agree with um, JJ Reddick, but JJ Reddick is not black. Absolutely. And the thing, the fact of the matter is, you have to understand that it is 2023, mm. but you're still black. And you want to do those things, y'all. And Jaw was right down the road. He and my son played scrimmage against each other. They were on different AAU teams because Jaw's 23, my son's 24. So they were on different AAU teams. And I know where Jaw's from in South Carolina. And he's right. It's like 3,000 people. It's a little, little small town. His dad, you saw where his dad had him jumping over tractor tires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, social media, want to be a rapper, want to be a thug, want to be this, want to be that. Jean's not a thug. I, no Absolutely. Way. That kid's not a thug. 
he's just he just has money he's bored social media he wants to be cool he, but you're cool you're already you have you're but there's no one there to tell him hey boy, there it is get speak together speak they gonna gun down if i catch you with another one i'm gonna you gonna oh you go I, I will still burn your behind come he on have those people around him he's got folks around him his dad almost got in a fight on the side at a game yeah his mama gonna call him from the daggone footlocker what are you doing in footlocker why do your nike get offline right. lady what are you doing so when you exactly. have your parents when you have your friends you have your 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 circle of people around you that aren't true to you and and, and they don't care like look you're probably gonna be mad at me because you know my son you probably got girlfriends you'd be like hey girl, listen mm-hmm. you're be mad at me when i say this but baby that dress does not work okay you have to try something else come on so, but you may be mad or or which or or not it's not as simple as a dress but you may they may be involved in something or going down a path or associate themselves with some people like you know that's that's probably not a good idea because you don't want to have a reputation of you know and 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 it is we it is what it is will it ever change i do not know i doubt it i doubt it but we're we're held to a different standard absolutely and, and those, it, it will always be that way right. so those politicians that are posing with their ar15s and all the kind of stuff they can do that. Speak. They have, the, they have the support and the backing of people that look like them. Speak. That are still going to vote for them, that think that's great, that think that's awesome. But Ja, you're in the public eye. You know, you should know that you have a daughter. You have a, but, but then again, we have to take a, take a step back and understand he's a baby. This boy is 23 years old. You know, human beings aren't developed completely until they're 25. The front of the ain't closed yet. And I think you said the key thing. He doesn't have even the parental guidance that he needs because the work, there's two things that you can make a mistake. And when I'm mentoring as a life coach and when I have to do these motivational and uh, speakings, there's two things I always tell people. One, your biggest mistake in life is if you keep nothing but yes people around you because you will self-destruct. That's number one. Number two, if you are always in the room and you're the smartest and you don't get up and go to a different room, that's mistake number two. You've already failed for the day. He doesn't have the right people. And it's just like with, when, when we look at some of the, our, our, our great uh, um, musicians, our athletes, our political right. figures, when you seen them self-implode, they had a bunch of enablers, as you said, and they all were yes people. Right now, he has a bunch of yes people, even in his own immediate family. Do you honestly think your children would be conducting themselves and you would be sitting on my show? Your foot would still be nestled somewhere in there behind mm-hmm. as mine would be. Exactly. Because my, you know what I mean? So they don't have anyone around them. I don't keep anybody around me that are yes people. I need people that will be truthful with me and say, wait a minute, you know, the way you said this or the way you conduct, like I'll go to my constituents, I'll go to Chester and I'll ask him about things. And Chester once told me that he's like, look, you don't ever want to keep yourself in a pigeonhole. And he told me, and it, it humbled me. He said, quit looking at life at when, when you get rejected, he said, that's not rejection, that's redirection. 
He said, take a look at it and do it this way. I'm glad that I have people like that around me because otherwise you will self-destruct. Anybody will self-destruct. And once you are on that self-destructive plane, then your ego gets in the way. And once that ego gets in the way, it becomes like, it's like, it's a, it's a, it becomes an abyss and it doesn't get off. There is no bottom off in an in abyss. And that's where this child is at. But and Paul and Audrey knows this um mutual friend of ours, Paul Hewitt. And one of the things he talked about, even when he left Georgia Tech and he transitioned went to the pros after George Mason, he said, nothing has really changed, but he said the attitude of the parent is the real danger. Mm-hmm. And he, oh. he said, I don't care what line of work that you are in when you're working with young people, he said, you better evaluate that. And I mean, he's working with the Los Angeles Clippers. Right. He said, when I do my intel, and that's basically evaluating what type of kid this is, he said, that's the first place I start. Mm-hmm. He said, before I get into their basketball history, I want to know their family history. Come on now. And he said, if I had to go back to college basketball, that would be one thing that he did. I and 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 I love that because I used to take athletes from 15 on up. And now I only will work with you if you're 17 and up because of the fundamental growth and the lack of maturity. But even if an athlete is stellar, I look at their parents Mm -hmm. because I've had athletes that have cussed their parents smooth out in front of me. And that was acceptable for the parents. And I remember me that's when they understood what thunder came from. It was lightning. It was a rainstorm, a hailstorm that came with it. I'd be like, you're going to allow this kid to say this. And I would get on the kid. If you say that to your parent, then you would say that to me. I said, now I'm getting ready to dog walk you and you're going to run until you drop. I said, how dare you speak to your parent? But then ultimately, I would either have to let that kid go or the kid would shape up and then, but I would tell the parents, I would never reprimand the parent in front of the kid. I'd be like, wait a minute, we're going to have to get on the same page because I'm from a different direction. I, my mother to this day, she lets me know wherever I'm at. She tells me she will get on her, her broomstick to come get me. I am still <laughs> her mother. She said, I still will make your lips and you will have a hump like Quasimodo. Cause I was just like, I, 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 just two years ago, I was like, mom, dang, you know, know what you need to stop that she said oh, what and we just got out of church but I knew it she said who the hell what she said oh wait a minute I seen them earrings come off I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna pull a page I'm gonna snatch this from Chester Chester said Charlie May wasn't a dentist but she showed with straighten your teeth out Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like you said, it it comes down to the accountability, who you surround yourself with, because if you stop and think about it, when LeBron James came out of high school and when he first went into the league, he had some serious missteps. He was acting a fool, too. But, you know, he was lucky enough to be able to receive Magic Johnson was a wonderful mentor for him and told him, if you keep on doing what you're doing and hanging with the people that you're hanging with, you're you're not going to have a long career. You see LeBron turn this thing all the way around. And LeBron had to do some education of his own mother. Come on. But now in her defense, she was a young, young mother. So Mm. she only knew what she knew. Speak. 
So he had to do some education of his own mother. And now, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's amazing. And I, and I think she understood and, and I think she got it. Obviously she got it because right. it's a dollar. Like Jean Moran is, is probably going to lose his, he may, he could possibly lose his Nike deal. They pulled out his Nike shoes. He may lose his Nike deal. He's going to lose $20 million. That's just as right of right now in terms of not playing. With by him during not his play. first suspension, he lost $40 million for not playing an all-star game. Exactly. And I, I'm going to quote um, the, the rapper Fat Joe. I absolutely love what he put out there on Twitter. If you guys get a chance to look at what he said, he said, listen, Ja, I don't know you like this, my brother. He said, but notice the people who even posted this they waited until he didn't really have the gun but they turned the camera and put the spotlight on you he said you keep on hanging with people who don't have nothing they don't have nothing to lose and when you lose it all the first thing they're gonna say was you wasn't nothing in the first place he said you got to stop pull the plug on everybody and he even included you know his own dad he said you're going to even have to distance yourself from your dad because when he got caught up with the situation in the strip club his dad was throwing it up with him so he was like i pray to god you get and get around people who really see the big picture because right now you're missing it you're throwing it all away and for what for what and for what and for what it, it makes absolutely no sense. And not having, like you said, nobody around him. It is terrible to watch this kind of stuff. It, it, it really is. It is. It's sad. I mean, it's sad because that kid worked so hard and everything they did. And he proved that, you know, he could go to a small school, Murray State, and, and make that school great and get it, win numerous conference championships and go into the, make their run in the NCAA tournament and just, you know, he's a phenomenal athlete, just, just, you know, uh, uh, just a phenomenal player and just has so much potential. And then to do this. And, and like I said, he's still a baby. He really he's is. Still, a and a good, like you said, and he's a good guy. Some, some, right. And think about some of the things we did at 23. Okay. Thank God. There was, <laughs> you know, all it was the polar. Hello. It's just, and that's not, you know, and, and you know what was ironic, like, and I don't know, and there was social media when he was at Murray State, and I don't know if they didn't want, of course, anybody dug that deep, but there wasn't anything negative about him at Murray State. Never no. heard no. about him. Never heard no. anything negative about him in high school, AAU. No. And, and his high school money. coach spoke on that. They were yeah. talking about how humble he was. Even like after he graduated, he would always come back and talk. And, and all of these people, and even his English teacher was talking about how good of a writer he was. And he, if he didn't have a career in basketball, but like you said, that, that accountability isn't there. And this brings me to my next point. You uh, hold, be- hold up on that, Ms. Thunder, because it, it made me think about something else too. And you know I'm a I'm a huge Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, and Tony Tony Dungy, mm. he he would have a rookie orientation, and he always talked about the top five things that, it, and I think I'm paraphrasing when I say this. He said number one, he said the top five reasons keep you off the USA Today. Number one, out past midnight. Number mm. two, 15 miles over the speed limit. Mm. Uh, I think three and four maybe like drugs and alcohol. Yep. Then his fifth one. He said, women that you know too well or don't know well enough. Mm -hmm. And my point is, John Moran and the Plexico Bursts of the world, you know, I don't care what sport it is. They probably got about three or four of them in some type of combination. Yes. You know, he's out past midnight. You know, you're waving the gun. You're doing this. And, you know, 
At the end of the day, it's about to cost him. Mm. Yeah. And cost him, and, and yeah. not only his financial livelihood, but like you said, all of the years when he was playing in the snow, all of this, you're mm-hmm. about to lose that. And you could be a great athlete. You could be a great coach. You could be a great businessman, a great AD, a great attorney. But if you're not aware of the behind the scenes, and this is the next thing that I wanted to talk to the both of you on, you guys are both stellar coaches the behind the scene corporate politics. Mm-hmm. If you are not aware of these politics, you will get caught up in a nest that you can't get out. So how and what advice do you guys have for up and coming coaches that are coming behind the both of you on the behind the scene corporate politics? How do you prepare yourself for that? You, you want to go first, Chester? Well, it's, it's funny that we got all drawn here because again, Two words come to mind um, when you say how. Uh, uh, Modeling and then mentorship. Um, Mm. And Audra could tell her version, but I'll give you you a good example because we talk about greatness and success. And Audra is all about greatness. You know, we're all successful in our own right. But um, gosh, 2002, there's an AAU tournament down in Melbourne, Florida, and I'm I get in, I get in about five hours later than I needed to. And I'm at the rental car counter. And as I go to the rental car counter, they got like two or three cars left. One was a minivan and the other two were compact cars. And I'm like, I ain't getting in no compact car. And I don't want to roll to an AAU van in the minivan. And it's, it's probably like 20 people behind me. And I'm thinking to myself, this line is not going to end. I'm going to stay right here until y'all get my full-size car that we want. And clearly I must've had frustration on my face. And Audra, she don't know me from Adam. She walks over, she said, you going to the AU tournament? I'm Audra Smith. And she said, hey, ride with me. And again, mm-hmm. I don't know her, she don't know me. And that one that one conversation has led to 25 years going on vacation with each other. We, we don't do that enough in our business. I don't think we do it enough in our society. Mm, but to, to, to answer your question, you ask how that's one step in the direction that you could do it. Um, it's been nothing but education. I'm talking about stuff you can't get in the classroom. You can't get it at a John Maxwell event, being able to share stories and be transparent. Mm. Just learn from other people's mistakes. Mm. So mm, I love that. Yeah. And I agree a hundred percent. I think like, again, me being a pleaser, seeing someone in need, you know, and I, and I, and, and I think Chester, I may have met uh, prior to that. I don't know what you think. I just be cruising the uh, rental car, <laughs> picking up strange men. <laughs> I think he and I may have met previously at a BCA convention in Atlanta prior <laughs> to that. And so we had, but we, but I still didn't know him. But I trusted it. I mean, I trust him. He's trying to get to the tournament. And I think, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going that way. So get around with me. No problem going to the same gyms, that, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, just trying to help someone out. And I think that that is something that we're lacking. I think it's so much, everyone's in their own world and mm. in their own circle and their own, on their own grind that they don't stop to spread the love, you know, to other people when they're successful. They don't, some people don't stop to do that when they're not successful. They're too prideful to reach out and be like, Hey, I need some help. Like, can you, right. can you I, I need some advice. Like, man, right. 
I feel like I'm just spinning out of control. Like, like what, like what can I do? I've got some things going on on my team and mm-hmm. you know, things become just, whew, it's just gone through my entire team. Like what, what can, can you give me some advice on it? And I great. And a lot of times people are afraid to do that because they're afraid because one, they're afraid to show weakness mm. Two, they're worried about who they can and cannot trust because they don't want to provide too much information about what's going on in their program or what's going on, you know, or the fact that, you know, Hey, I thought I was going to get this two-year contract extension, but I didn't now, now I only have a year left on my contract. Mm-hmm. And so then they worry about those coaches that they talk with or colleagues that they talk with taking that and running with it and being negative recruiters and telling ah. people that recruiting, Hey, she ain't got but a year left on contract. Oh, her team is completely out of control. She can't control her team. She told I, I, I talked to her all on a daily basis. She told me this, you know, and so those things. So that that that's the thing where there there isn't a lot of trust with that, mm-hmm. um, and it is important to know your surroundings in terms of your, you know. And I've been in you know numerous places, knowing your um, administration and the expectations, and mm-hmm. you've got to be in some places where people are going to be handsy and really really hands on and like want to know every move you make and everything you do. And there are going to be others that are going to give you the, that room and that freedom to do what you need to do. But also always, I think the biggest thing for coaches is stay in direct contact with your athletic director. If it's not your athletic director that you report to directly, and it's maybe it's your senior women's administrator, stay in direct contact with them. Absolutely. But, and, and even if your athletic director is not someone that you're, you report to, you know, you know, bi-weekly or, or whatever, schedule a meeting with your athletic director if you can once a month. Mm. you should do that because you need to know where where she how she or he feels that the direct and some ad's are heavily involved and they will they they'll, they want you on their calendar some mm-hmm. ain't got time they turn over to the swa you're not winning boom they let you go because why they don't have a relationship with you mm, the relationship and, that, and that's so important that's so important i mean in some instances you find that you have so much more in common with your administration than you thought and in other instances you're like oh my god i thought we were so close and we had so much in common and we we're on the same page and we're worlds apart mm. of his thinking her thinking and my and my thinking in terms of the direction i'm trying to take this program in so just you know don't don't get too don't get comfortable um you know stay ready so you don't so you never have to get ready mm. and there's only so much you can do with your players you know in terms of controlling because you're not with them 24 7 but, you know, you can teach them, you can talk to them, you can institute rules, certain rules. And a lot of times, a lot of things right now, Miss Thunder, as you know, the changing of the rules and things of that nature and student athlete welfare, there are certain things we can do and there are certain things we can't. A lot of coaches are afraid of that too, because they could lose their job over something mm-hmm. simple. And then you've got kids that if they don't have their way. I mean, they'll form a coup on you and, and four or five of them will get together and say something happened and it didn't happen. Absolutely. And, it's going Absolutely. Be, and they're going to be believed and you're going to be on suspension without pay or maybe with pay until they quote unquote investigate. Mm-hmm. And then after that, most of the time when that happens, most in most situations that I've, you know, encountered that coach has lost their job. Mm-hmm. So, and the, which, which in turn has like hurt their reputation. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one thing, you know, one of the things is just to stay in direct, it's just direct communications and like mm-hmm. anything that goes on with a parent, and anything that had ever that ever went on with a parent and myself or a player, I would always document it and right. have it file. So if my AD wanted it or needed the information, there here it is. I never met with a parent. I never met with a player alone. I never asked my assistance to meet with a parent or meet with a player alone, um, or have a conversation for that matter. Because people will record you, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. I'm like, don't do that. Like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I would have when, when players would come in and we'd have meetings, you know, myself and then maybe another assistant, I'm like, okay, I'm going to need you to turn your phone off. There like, it is. 
Turn your phone off. Mm-hmm. Mine is off. Yours is off. I'm not recording you. You're not going to be recording me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a you know different day and different time with 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 those things. Whereas you know, like you said, we didn't have cell phones back then. And mm-hmm. I never. All I know is when I went to play for Debbie, my mom said, "You better you better get up there and do what that woman tell you to do." Okay. It was never a situation of I. I never complained. I never called home and complained. Never, never. Because we knew that it wasn't going to do us any good. That was number one. Number two, like my parents would say, you went up to the school yep. and my dad would call it the schoolhouse. You get up there, get your degree. Cause you know, I was going to, you know, Florida state uh, initially on a track scholarship. And then I had so many, you know, knee surgeries and this, that, and the other couldn't get my speed back. And then I went into powerlifting and that changed my life immensely. But even with that, my parents was like, you know, where you came up to school, they gave me a time frame. They said, you're going to get your degree in four years or less. You ain't on the fifth. My mom said, you are not on the five-year plan. You're not in the five and one month plan. You going to go up here and get that degree from Tallahassee and be, and do what you're going to do so like you said it comes down to the accountability and again the the games are even different even how we respond in a written format to our ad's to other coaches to parents you have to be so grammatically correct and what you send out when a parent is requesting information when this person is requesting information because that one conjunction can change the whole scope and interpretation of even what you sent Exactly. So if you are going in these positions of leaderships across the board, I always tell my mentor who mentored me as a life coach, he sat me down and he said, I want you to always remember if you just keep this in the back of your mind that all eyes are on you and that you have a target in your back and in a target in your front, he said that alone is going to make you navigate totally different. And he's absolutely correct. I'm never alone with kids. I'm never even alone with parents because right. parents can twist your words and turn oh, you yeah. in a knot and turn a kid against you. And there you have it. So I, you know, I would rather be known, you know, as Miss Thunder is this five foot woman that's tough and intense. Cause I am a no nonsense woman. I, I really, am. I, I'm not, I, I have zero tolerance for triflingness because there's no excuse for it. I don't make excuses for you. I don't make excuses for myself. If I'm doing something wrong, call me on the carpet, Audra. I'll stand and salute you and be like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go ahead. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So times have changed and you are now in a different phase. So I would love to talk about your position with the KYAL Cancer Fund. How did you even get started with that? Well, I was always involved with, um, oh, well, let me go all the way back. I'll tell the whole history. So Coach Yao, Coach K. Yao, obviously was a prominent, you know, um, very uh, phenomenal coach at the NC State University for 34 years and over 700 victories. She was a, uh, she coached the 1988 Olympic team to gold. Um, She, Hall of Famer, um, took her NC State Wolfpack team to a Final Four in 1998. And just an unbelievable person. I just watched her coach. She coached with class and unbelievable demeanor. And just, she, she loved on her players. 
and, you know, really loved on her play. She was, again, another, her players were former players will tell you who our CEO, Jeannie Palmatier is one of her former players who, mm. and actually she and I worked together for a couple of years at Virginia. She came to Virginia with an assistant with us for a couple of years, but we'll tell you like coach Al, like took time to sit down to talk to us. And like, like it would be after a long practice where we worked and sweated and did whatever. And she would just sit down and come have conversations with us. And I know a lot of coaches out there have had conversations with Coach Al, and she would always leave a lasting impact. I mean, she made you feel special when she talked to talk to you, and she'd give you an important nugget, drop a nugget to you. And there were things that information that she provided and gave to me that I, you know, carried throughout my coaching career. So when I decided, you know, that okay, this is it, I'm re- I'm officially retiring from coaching. I'm not going to go back into coaching. Jenny Palmatier and I, you know, we've been friends for twenty plus years, um, and um, she, I was actually in her wedding. Um, she had reached out to me in the fall, uh, the year before and asked, Hey, would that be interested? And I'm like, yeah, Jen, I said, I got to see this year through. And, you know, it was really crazy, but I don't know what's going to happen at the end and we'll talk. So she called me and asked, if I'm, asked me if I was interested. And I said, listen, I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. Jenny. I said, but I, I can't move to Raleigh. I said, Anthony has been phenomenal. So we've been nine years in South Carolina and he's been commuting for me to set back to Alabama for nine years you know, a week with me, a week in Alabama, a week with me, a week with Alabama. I said, so it's time for me to get back to Alabama, find something there in Birmingham or the surrounding area, but I can't move to Raleigh. She said, well, I'll tell you what, if I can make this job remote, would you take it? I said, if you can make it remote, sure. I said, because I'm we're empty nesters and I can come to the office whenever you need me to, but I just mm. came to Raleigh. So she was able to make the job remote, which was very appealing. And then also to have the opportunity to be involved with the KL Cancer Fund and exactly what it stands for, you know, and the fact that my sister's a 10-year breast cancer survivor. I mm. lost my aunt at the age of 12 to breast cancer. That was back in 1982. Again, small town, not knowing anything, not having any health insurance. I remember my, my aunt Daisy and my mama doctoring on her. And by the time she was so sick and her breast was so distorted and not to give too much information, but, you know, by the time they did get her to a clinic or a hospital, it was mm-hmm. everywhere. And, and and I say now, and it was just breast cancer. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize that. But right. back then that was a big deal because we're talking about 1982. Whereas now with what we do at the KI Cancer Fund with being able to provide funds to programs that can, you know, assist women with early detection. Mm. They go in maybe stage one and then boom, you know, you're cancer free within three to four years. And so there's been so many, you know, you know, because of research has been so many different drugs that have been developed that, you know, that that's really helping, but we still haven't found a, a cure. And that's what we're aiming towards. Like, you know, our three prongs of our mission were, were Coach Yao's vision, you know, her vision, you know, was, you know, it was huge. It was to raise funds for life-saving cancer research and life-enhancing drugs. Uh, it was to serve the underserved communities and those women in areas that couldn't afford, uh, that can't afford access to quality cancer healthcare, and then unite communities all are, around a common cause, which is women's health. Right, right. And we're all cancers affecting women. We're not just breast cancer. We're all cancers affecting women. We're not women's cancers. Mm-hmm. So people won't think that we're just, oh, it's just any type of cancer a woman could get. No, it's mm-hmm. all cancers affecting women, lung, colon, pancreatic, you name it, all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being involved with the fund has been very refreshing for me. I, I've, I'm so fortunate that I've still been able to be heavily involved with the coaches mm-hmm. and some student athletes. Um, and it's been great. You know, I received the biggest, probably one of the biggest compliments from Stephanie Glantz, our former CEO, um, and the fact that she goes, you know, you have to be the face of the fund because there isn't a coach in America that's not going to pick up the phone when you call. 
And I found out that out to be true. You know, they may take a while to get back to me, but then they'll get back. Hey, I'm sorry. I had. Right. Because they were now, now they're recruiting every month, every month, every month they're recruiting. So, you know, I received a lot of positive feedback from coaches and it's made me feel good to know that I've, I've done, I've, I've done it the right way. You know, I was, I've always been respectful to every coach I've ever coached against every coach has ever coached with me um, and always shown respect. And, you know, the given, you know, some coaches are in their own little world and can't give by the time of day and have their own little thing, but not me, you know, I'm always in the gym and Chester, you tell you my assistant who was my brother-in-law, my longtime assistant, who is my brother-in-law. We'll be like, ah, ah. we go in the gym. I said, oh, I'm going to go sit with Chester. No, you ain't. You're not going to go sit with Chester. <laughs> we're not, we're, we ain't recruiting, we're not recruiting Kansas kids. We're not recruiting Michigan oh, kids. We're not recruiting West Virginia kids. Get on over to this court. I said, but can I just go say, hey? nope, because hey, going to turn into everything else. Y'all going to be dancing. I love it. No. That accountability. Yes. Get over here. We got to go over here. You can see Chester when it's all over. Maybe we can catch him, catch him for a meal and that kind of thing. So, mm. um, but um, but yeah, it, it this has been so refreshing. It's been great. Um, it, it's one of those things where you know, th- th- now these are my this is my victory. My victories are you know raising money, like having you know you see the the play for K games in the month of February. Teams mm-hmm. are formed, and the gym is has pink everywhere, and you know they they have their what we call a pledge that we have a free throw challenge or a three point challenge, and you know let's say they the the team may raise you know three thousand dollars. The head coach comes and says, we only raised $3,000. I'm going to match that code. I'm going to match that Audra. I'm going to write a check for $3,000. So we get a check. I love it. So it's just like one of those, it's, it's like that, like those are big victories. And so we, we're, 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 we're diving into some areas that we haven't been, that we haven't dove into before mm-hmm. um, the, the WNBA and then a little bit into the NBA. And so we have a lot of exciting things coming down the, um, coming down the path, but it's all for one common goal. And that is all cancers affecting women. Like, mm. like, what can we do to help these women out there that don't have the resources? Like I was talking to a coach the other day and I was saying, I said, you know, with my and I, and I have two coaches, two friends that are in the coaching field, coach Nichols knows one's at St. Francis and the other's at Loyola, Maryland that are, that are survivors or thrivers, I should say, they're still in their treatment. And then Georgetown's head women's basketball coach, Tasha Butts, who's from Milledgeville, Georgia, uh, who came behind me, um, who's now the head coach is battling breast cancer as well. And all three of them, as I talk to them, they talk about, you know, hey, you know, I just, you know, I get my copay and I get my bills and I'm like, thank God I'm in the profession that I'm in and I pay my bills and, and I just don't know how other people do it. And I said, that is why you're so important. Your voice is so important. Your platform is so important. And if you can, your donation is so important. And the same thing happened with my sister. When my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer and we were at Northside Hospital, you know, we stayed at the courtyard at Marriott and we went out and got food and drove back and forth. And we had the resources to do that. But there are a lot of women that don't have that. They have Absolutely. To, they know something's wrong. They don't feel good. Their body's not like, ah, it's time for their mammogram. I haven't had a mammogram in two years. I can wait another year. Well, they may not have insurance because, you know, insurance takes a big hunk out of that paycheck, right? Yes. Yes, or even if they have insurance, they can't afford to take off from work. They don't have the vacation time. Mm-hmm. But, or they may be in a, lo- in a locale where they don't have the resources. There's like a right. small clinic and it's going to take half the day when you go there. And who knows mm-hmm. who you're going to see when you're at the clinic. And then there's the mistrust with, you know, the medical, medical field, like, you know, a lot of women have been misdiagnosed and there's a mistrust with that. And then there's the, just the myth, like me being from the South. And I know there, and I say that all the time, it's not just the South. We're not the only ones. It's kind of everywhere, but just the myths of the fact that, you know, I have still have women to this day 
that are my age and went to high school with an older that say, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not getting on that machine, that mammogram. That's what give you the cancer. No, what? not boo boo. Oh. But then they've been brought up and that's what they hear, you know, mm. you know, and, or, or Bob said, don't let them open you up. They open you up. That cancer going to go everywhere. <laughs> no, no, wow. no, no, no. We had a woman, um, Miss Lenora, uh, and this is before, obviously, but I'll be celebrating my year anniversary next next month uh, with the with the fun. Miss Lenora, as I, I met, I met her. She's eighty now. She had her first mammogram at sixty. What? And she was able to have that mammogram because of our mam unit. Our mam unit came through her hometown in rural North Carolina. Praise God. And she had her mammogram, and she had a lump, and it was stage one breast cancer. And we had, we provide, like I said, resources. We don't personally do this, but we have programs that we're affiliated with that we provide funds to that's to help women with a, through a continuum, continuum of services mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the next steps, you know, the chemo, is it going to be a situation where you have to have, is it a mastectomy? Do we remove the lump? Do we go chemo? Do we go radiation? What do we do? So we had someone walk Miss Lenore through all of that. Miss Nora is 80 years old, kicking and screaming. She did a video for us, told us her story. <laughs> Amazing. So think about it. Had that woman not had access to that ma'am unit, hmm. it could have really went bad. So for my listening uh, members, how can people get involved? Because, you know, I, I wasn't really aware of all of the wonderful things that you guys do. Now I can't play basketball. I'll never be able to play in the play for K that's just not going to be me. So what about for those of us who can't hoop or how can we show our support with just, you know, financial donations? What, what do we do? How can we show up and how can we get involved with this? What is the website? Give it because my, you know, the first thing people are going to do is they're going to hit me up and they're going to ask me, hey, Thunder, you know, when I was listening to this, you know, how can I get involved? Where is this at? So I'll let you take it from here. How can people get involved? Just simply go to our website, which is ko.com. And then Mm -hmm. you can make a a flat donation of a certain amount. Um, There are specific donation amounts that you can make. And, um, you know, you can do that. You can do an amount monthly, bi-monthly, yearly, however you want to set it up. So once you go to our our website, it'll direct you, you know, to those appropriate areas in terms of where to make, how to make a donation and understand and know that your money is going towards cancer research, life and that cancer research, life enhancing drugs. There, There are women that I've met that are thrivers. And we call them thrivers because they are, they will never hear the word. They're cancer free. Mm. Yeah, um, I'm, Ch- I'm not sure if you know, Tammy Blackburn, she's a PAC 12 analyst. Tammy Blackburn has stage four metastatic breast cancer. She'll never hear cancer free. She'll never be cancer free. She is survived. She is thriving because of the drugs that are developed daily. Wow. And that's keeping her alive. And so that is why the research is so important. And that's where that money, money goes. And the other part of that is, um, you know, for underserved and underprivileged women, we provide grants in different areas of the country. Like Coach, Vision, Co- Coach Yao's vision was to leave a grant in every city of the final four. So we just left a grant in Dallas for $100,000. And mm. that grant is very specific. It has to go to an underserved hospital, a hospital that provides care for underserved women. Mm. That 
afford preventative screening, that can't afford to come in and, you know, have, you know, exams done, that can't afford, you know, uh, their chemo, that, that's where those grants go. That's what those grants, that's what those grants do. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are two strong, important parts of our um, mission and two of the biggest visions of Cojiao. So the, the financial piece is crucial and the piece that's the biggest piece to donate because you may have a family member, a loved one, a friend or someone. And I'm telling you, early detection saves lives. It Absolutely. Saves Absolutely. That preventive. Preventative is so, so key. And for those that are fighting, that are thriving, the ability for us to, you know, push money and spread money and, 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 and contribute money to the research areas, that's important too, because daily there's something different. Like I talked to thrivers and it's like, you know, I've been on this, I was on medication for three months and it stopped working. My body's just got adjusted to it. It stopped working. So I had to try something else. Mm. And when you try something else, you're hopeful and prayerful that I'm, I'm going to get another three to six months out of this medication. All right. All right. So, so that's what we, that's what we do. Um, and, you know, so, and also, you know, we talk about you know, I know a lot of people talk about awareness, but everyone's aware of cancer. Everyone's aware mm -hmm. of it. We're not, a, you know, we don't, not awareness, but just the educational part of it. And just to promote for those listeners that are out there, promote and to talk about it. Like mm -hmm. you know, for women, we got to take care of our bodies. We, we, we always, always, always put ourselves last. Mm -hmm. it's, it's our family members, whether it's our mama or our sister or our brother or our husband or our children or mm -hmm. whatever, they're first. You know, but, but if my, where, where's insurance card? Mama know what it is. Where's insurance card? Does this, mm -hmm. can we do this? Can, Mama, can you give me an appointment? Uh, honey, can you do this? So it's all yeah. we put ourselves last. And we and, go, go, go. Yeah. We, and we, and we, we, you have to put yourself first. The preventative screening is so very important. Yearly mammograms, crucial. Mm. Yearly. And when you get, become a certain age, ain't pretty, but colonoscopies, mm. important. I've had friends that are, that were 45 and was weren't feeling good. And like, what? And I'm like, have you had a colonoscopy? No, I don't have it till I'm 50. You can go ahead and have one, go in, got polyps. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's wow. the key in like talking about it and having those conversations. And another aspect of what we do, we had, we had, we uh, have empowerment tours and I'm hoping to bring one to Southern Illinois. So, and have a conversation with uh, Chester uh, and Kelly's student athletes and hopefully more other student athletes at, at Southern Illinois. Um, we have an empowerment program that educates, equips and empowers young people to have conversations um, with their family members and take information back to their communities about cancer healthcare, preventative healthcare one. And, and we're, we're working towards you know, galvanizing these, 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 these student athletes and empowering them because they have mm -hmm. so much power. We, what have we been exactly. talking about? We've been talking about their reach and their range and their, 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 um, uh, you know, their, the, the, everything, the power they have through social media. We right. went to give you an example, we went to Notre Dame, did an empowerment tour at Notre Dame and Olivia Miles mm -hmm. has 30 something thousand followers on Instagram. So what we do during the empowerment tour, we ask the student athletes to take out their phones Right. And, you know, scan the QR code and pin it as pin it on their, on their, on their Twitter and post it on their Instagram. Well, by the time we left, no, there were nine student athletes in the room and by the time um, nine women's basketball players, by the time we left Notre Dame, we did Notre Dame, we went, drove on down Valpo, did a, um, a, a tour in Valpo, went on over to Purdue Northwest with our friend Courtney Locke, um, did one there. 
by the time we got back to Raleigh, well, I got back to Birmingham and my counterpart got back to Raleigh, we had reached over 150,000 people. See? So by the so when Olivia Miles posts something, you better believe a, a young girl is looking at it and she's going to retweet it. Or she may say, hey, mama, look what Olivia posted. What's mm-hmm. this about? Mm-hmm. She may not really even know what it is. What's this about? What's mm-hmm. this about breast cancer? What's this about TNBC, triple negative breast cancer? You know about this? Like mama, they're talking about, you know, you know, preventative health care. Like what, what is this about? So mm-hmm. that's, that's us, you know, you know, empowering these young, these young student athletes to be right. change agents, mm-hmm. to be change agents, to help change the narrative mm-hmm. around all cancers affected women so that we're not having these conversations. So at some point we, we don't have to say, oh Lord, so-and-so has six months to live. Oh Lord, the drugs don't work anymore. She's not going to make it. Oh Lord, she, we just found out that, you know, she found out that she has cancer, but fortunately it's in such early stages, you know, she only has to do maybe a month of chemo. Right. So, and it's over. So that, that's what, that's where we are. I mean, we're, you know, obviously, you know, um, we're 5013 nonprofit and we're fundraising, but, you know, Coach Yao, she, she had a, a public battle, Mm -hmm. a public battle with her, with her, um, with her fight. And so for, for 22 years, it was on again, off again, and she was coaching through it all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the, one of the stories that they talk about all the time that sticks with me is that she went to her, her oncologist and she was so upset, you know, knowing Coach Al, you know, Coach Al was never mad, but of course mm-hmm. upset in her, what was going on in her illness and upset at the fact that, you know, there wasn't a cure for cancer. Like, by gosh, I was diagnosed back in 1987 and made it through that. And now it came back in 2002 and I'm still battling it. Why don't we have a cure? What is the deal? Mm-hmm. And her oncologist said, okay, hey, had it not been for the research that was going on in the 80s and then in the 90s and currently going on now, you wouldn't be alive today. Speak. Have stage four metastatic breast cancer and you're able to have quality of life and coach your team. Right. Mm-hmm. If that research not going on, you wouldn't be here. Right. And that's why it we have we are in the situation we're in right now where we we've raised over 8.18 million dollars. Phenomenal over the past 15 years. And we're trying to up that number because we need to up that number. Because there are just so many women that need help. They need this. They need the care. They, they can't afford it. They can't afford it. They don't have the time. They can't. They're, and they're afraid. There's a mm-hmm. fear. So we do a lot of educate, educating as well in terms of like, you know, yeah, it's, it's fearful and it's hard. You don't want to hear those three words. You know, you have cancer. You don't want to hear it. But if you do hear it, there are resources out there that can help you. You know, but you, you avoid it and avoid it and avoid it. You don't want to get to a situation where, there's nothing that can be done, right. but our play for K games are fantastic. You know, our, the, the, the colleges across the country, you know, SIU had one as well, you know, colleges across the country that, you know, flood their arenas with pink, their, those pink uniforms, those pink shoes and Nike is a sponsor of ours and sends out pink t-shirts and the power of one shirts, you know, to the coaches and to the, to the teams, you know, brings a lot of fans and, and survivors and thrivers to the games. And it brings a lot of attention you know, women's basketball is, you know, brings a lot of attention to what we're doing. And that's what one of the coach Al's, you know, one of the, one thing for her was the fact that she didn't want to call it the KL cancer fund. She wanted to call the coaches fund, mm. be the coaches fund, because she believed in the power of the coaches coming together and galvanizing, you know, and being in one fight together. You know, we've mm-hmm. got, got, we've got one, we have one opponent 
then we're all different teams and we got one opponent and that mm-hmm. opponent cancer. And we're trying to, we're trying to beat that opponent. And so by, you know, persuasion from her staff and, 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 um, you know, other people around her, they're like, no, okay, you got to put your name on this. You got to mm-hmm. put your name on it. And she did. And so mm-hmm. it's our job to continue to carry on her legacy and carry on her vision um, of what she wanted. And, and that's what we're doing. And it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's great for me that I'm remote and that I'm able to still, like I said, maintain my contacts and, and be in contact with and talk with, you know, coaches across the country. And when I tell you, Ms. Thunder, a lot of these coaches that I've talked to, I would say, whew, I've, I've talked to a lot of coaches this past week because we have a, a coaches challenge that's kicking off June June 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the coaches I've talked to, if they have not had an experience with cancer themselves, they have had their mother, a sister, mm-hmm. aunt, a grandmother, mm-hmm. a loved one, someone, they know someone close to them that have had a scare with cancer. They've lost someone to cancer. They have someone currently battling cancer. Um, so it's, it is really hitting home with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of folks of like, wow, I, I really need to get involved and I really need to do more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and that's, and, and I wish there was, there were other things that I could say to say like, Hey, that people could do mm-hmm. other than have those conversations and reminders of, of, of preventative screening. But right. the biggest piece is the fundraising. We're it's fundraising. It's money. It's fundraising. It takes money to for these research. It's money for research. It costs money for that ma'am, that ma'am unit to go all over the state of North Carolina. We'd love it if we had one that we could plop in the Mideast, you know, sorry, in the Midwest somewhere, you know. Absolutely. And, and down here in, in um in the South area that could cover South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, you know, um, some parts of uh Florida, northern Florida. Mm-hmm. We'd love to be able to have that, but it mm-hmm. takes money. It takes mm-hmm. money. It takes people being being willing to invest, and every dollar counts. Like people think they have to donate a whole bunch of money. Every dollar counts. Like it could be a dollar. It could See? be. It could be ten. It could be fifteen. It could be twenty five. It could be a hundred. Go ahead and pull out that black MX. Don't get that. <laughs> Don't get that little pull out that black MX and give us that five thousand dollars you're gonna spend on that. Ooh, I mean, I, I love it, and it's well, tax no. free. It's tax deductible. Come See? on. And guess what you're doing? You're helping to save lives. And maybe saving your own or someone that you love. Now, I would come. I want to see you and Chester do the play for K. Now, when you and Chester going to get y'all team? No, and I'm saying that. Yes, Mr. Nichols. Ding, ding, ding. Are you there? Oh, let me tell you something. um, (laughs) Since I got to Carbondale, that's one of the things that we... We've been actively pursuing anyway. I mean, it's wonderful. It is. Um, again, it, it touches you because, again, if it's not you, it touches somebody that that's a loved one that you know that you care. Right, right, right. It, it's one of those op- opponents that we do want to attack. Mm-hmm. I mean, attack mm-hmm. aggressively. Yeah. So. So, so this is why we do these. This is why I do these type of shows, um, Audra. People that come on the show, Chester is very aware, people that come on the shows are game changers. They're trailblazers and they have inspired so many people. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to, you know, do this show and co-host this show with Chester so that on behalf of my staff and everybody that knows the both of you, I want to give you guys the adulation that you guys are so deserving of because you guys are not just one. I'm going to use this term one hell of a coaches, but you guys are mentors. 
You guys are the accountants, managers. You guys are the cleanup people when parents have missed up. You guys are the ones who take the calls at two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning. You guys are the ones who held these girls' hands when they didn't see no hope, when they couldn't get the guidance and the love and the nurturing part of the human element. They couldn't get it from their parental or grandparent. You guys are the ones that are doing it. So I'm giving you the adulation and the flowers. And I say, thank you. And please keep on doing what you're doing because we can't get enough of you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, having me on today. Chester, thank you for the uh, it suggested invite. I appreciate it. Um, this has been great. Um, and I would love to continue to do more for you. And there are other women out there, men out there that I know of that have been, uh, that are, uh, have been trailblazers and that are currently trailblazers in the business and are doing things the right way and that are mm. in the right reasons. Now, granted, we all got to eat. So let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's get it. Let's get it straight now. We all got to eat and we all want to make, make money. But yes. by the same token, if you can do something where you're helping up the youth, because they're, you know, I don't want to quote Whitney. I mean, I watched the movie. I've, I've downloaded the soundtrack again, but the children, they are our future. Cause yeah. think about it. You were just talking to me about, you know, when I was a young girl that I ever envisioned or believed that I would be in the position that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. I, I was a child once. So we, Chester was a child once, you know, our children, they are, they're our future. They you know, really they're are. our future decision makers. They're our future politicians. They're our future coaches, our future teachers, our future mentors, our future influencers. I mean, those that the, are, and we want, look, you know, we want, we don't want no fools out there trying, you know, okay. Got enough of that. We, we have too many, an abundance. Lord, we look, we let's have an abundance. Ooh. We have an, what would it say? We have an overage of that. Yes, <laughs> so that let me, so let me do. ask you both this before, as we wrap this show up, um, Audra, how can people get a hold of you? Oh, um, on your social media handle. Oh Lord. Now I'm going to look at it. Okay. Yep. Yeah, okay. Cause I don't know. If, isn't that a mess? Okay. Uh, I am on Instagram, Audra mm-hmm. underscore Smith, A-U-P-R-A underscore Smith. Okay. That's Instagram. Uh, I wasn't on Twitter as much, but now I'm back on Twitter. Um, not, I never deleted my account or anything, but on Twitter, I am at Coach Audra Smith. At Coach Audra Smith. That's Twitter. And nice. then on Facebook, just pop, put my name in there. And of course I'll pop up okay wonderful because yeah. i'm sure after when we publish and this drops so i i'm telling you i get so many emails and people will ask hey do you ever i i, I just want to follow her because i really love what she said and this that and the other and chester can tell you people will out of nowhere they will start following you because they love your cultural paradigm they love what you stand for and you're not just talking about it you're being about it chester what is your social media handle um the website is thechesternichols.com um facebook it's just chester nichols okay twitter is chester underscore nichols and instagram is coach nichols one well as we conclude this show i want to say to the both of you guys um continue doing what you're doing You guys are the game changers and you're making so 
even the, the, the people that never come back to you and tell you the impact that you've made on their lives, just trust me. They, they're thankful and, and they're better people for knowing you. I can tell you that they're better people for knowing you. And I, I just, you know, again, we're very humbled that you guys were a part of the show. I also want to thank our military veterans, active or retired, our firefighters, our beloved teachers. I want to thank our law enforcement officers out here. You guys, we salute you. You are our everyday heroes. I also want to humbly thank my listeners for showing me so much love we have over 121,000 listeners that tune into the show i thank you guys so much for the for the love that i received the goal for balcony cheerleader is always each one teach one hopefully today i can reach one please don't forget to subscribe to the show and download this episode i would love to hear from you guys just go to misthunder.net until next time goodbye everybody goodbye audra goodbye coach Nicole. goodbye thank you for having it thank you you too bye-bye